Hello, darling. Hello. <laughs> it's amazing to be encountering you in uh, such a circumstances. It's been ages, uh, maybe even a few days. Yeah, are we... Are we saying this is season two? Yeah, this is season two. Yeah, that's what I mean. In these circumstances, it's been a while. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Saw you on the couch earlier when we were binging something on Netflix. I know. Ripley like... is taking part. She is. She's helping. She's helping. She has lots of opinions. I know. So season two of He Said, D Said is going to top season one. Oh, we're going to blow it out of the water. Yeah, because we did two episodes on season <laughs> one. So our goal is three this time. Look, maybe it more. It doesn't matter how high the bar is, yeah. it only matters how well you limbo. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Progress over perfection. <laughs> <laughs> that's the vibe. That's the vibe. Welcome to season two of He Said, D Said, everybody. I'm He. And I'm D, <laughs> your hosts for this podcast, where we talk about all things pop culture. Yeah, all the things hobbies. All the things we're obsessed with. Pop I mean, culture hobbies. Pop culture hobbies. Like we're not talking yeah. about gardening on this podcast. Although I'd like to someday. I mean, if we get hobbies, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so for our maiden voyage in season two, <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Well, uh Ripley Ripley's wants it. to join, and so she's gonna tell us what she's been watching and reading. It's so funny with dogs, right? It's like when you can hear them walking, it's like they have little heel shoes. <laughs> she's got pumps. She's like walking around the house in her pumps. It's also funny because she's been absolutely, completely silent as a shadow. The uh, entire day. Yeah. And then the moment that we like turn, this, he, she's a ham. She wants she, everyone to know she's here. <laughs> I mean, that's her. It's for, for a dog that hates t- getting her photo taken, Yeah. Uh, she definitely wants to be the center of attention Yeah. at yeah. all times. Also, did you get it? She's a ham and we're doing a podcast, which is like the modernized version of radio. Well, can you even call it that? Anyway, ham radio. Ham. I was trying to make a, I was trying to make a thing there. You're, but, but you're you were faster saying, than I am this season. But you, but I've grown quite a bit since last <laughs> season, since like four months ago. Um, Speaking of growth, yeah. um, my backside grew significantly during the runtime of one of our subjects for this week your backside yes my butt grew at least a few inches when we were watching the batman oh my gosh it's a long <laughs> movie why can you explain this to me though every movie these days is it's like a bollywood film you know yeah. i grew up with four-hour movies and was like no and then i got here and i was like look at these americans and they're 90 minutes and you guys don't even do that well we don't do that anymore no 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 um there used to be a time where especially a summer movie, clocking in at over 90 minutes was sort of side-eyed. I mean, the only people that could really get away with that were like Tony Scott. And he didn't bother. You know, it's, it's you know, you get your John Woo's, you get your face-offs, and they're a little bit longer than that. But most of the time, people were okay clocking in at 90 minutes. Two, yeah. two hours was extreme. And then, you know, you get the summer movies uh, that are over two hours, and, you know, they've got to be like a the fourth sequel is to something. Mm-hmm. But now, it's everything. It's Marvel movies. Everything's two and a half hours yeah. long. Uh, and it, everything is a film and you cannot <laughs> rush art, Listen, darling. They've got lots of important things to say about society in the new Doctor Strange movie. Mm. See, that's, that's the thing. Is that coming out soon? Yes, actually. Uh, and whereas I might not have really 
been all that interested. The fact that it is also the return to blockbuster filming, filmmaking of one Sam Raimi has me Ooh, yeah. all kind of hype. Are you going to give me some Bruce Campbell in this? He's he's in it. He's in it? He's 100%. Ooh, that's amazing. I've been avoiding anything about the Doctor Strange movies because I'm just, I just can't with them. But anyway, we're not talking about Doctor Strange no. today. We are talking, however, about the new Batman and potentially the new Spider-Man. Yes. So a DC Marvel back and forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's get started. Episode one, season one. No, episode one, season two. Here we go. Yes. All right, we're back. Tell me, my dear, what do you want to start with? Batman, Spider-Man? Well, it's more, it's more, it's more current. Uh, so let's talk about that that there Batman movie, that okay. there Robert Pattinson movie. Yes, yes. All right, why don't you start with a little bit of an intro, just like set up what this this movie is and how. I guess let's do a little Q and A. Let's do it that way. First of all, this is a new Batman movie. In how long? When was the last one? One of the Nolan. No, I mean, it, you could technically count, like, Justice League or Batman v Superman. We're not going to do that, though. <laughs> well, actually, it, it a is A solo important. Batman movie, though. It is important to bring up because the falling apart of a project on the back of that is the reason that Matt Reeves got to make this. Oh, interesting. A little origin story for this non-origin story, Indeed. I see. Which, is, which encompasses so much of it. Not just the topic at hand, but also the fact that this was not a... Batman origin story movie. This was like, yeah. like we, he's we been start, around a while. We start in media res. He is two years in. Mm. Uh, and, you know, directed by Matt Reeves, starring Robert Pattinson, starring Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, Zoe Kravitz. An unrecognizable Colin Farrell. Yeah. Paul Dano. He's uh-huh. in it. I, I guess it's Dano. Yeah, it's Dano. Yeah. But uh, Paul, da- Paul Dano. And, uh, and, you know, a number of other, John Turturro. I know. He's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it is just to get right out the gate. It is a three hour movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Which you did not tell me. So I thought we were going to do a <laughs> quick little jaunt to the theater, but then I aged a decade. Yes. And then we came back home. Yes. Unintentional this time. Uh, <laughs> this time. It was intentional when I did that to you, uh, with heat. Yeah. And that was, that was a, that was well done. So, yeah. friends, friend who is listening to this podcast, Adam, this is a thing, or Robert, Robert, shout out to our two friends um, in the whole world. So, we, I think, back in the day, I had never seen the movie Heat. Ryan really wanted me to see it. He thought I would love it. But I have no patience, just in general. I, I, I wouldn't even say I don't have patience for movies. I just don't have patience in general. So, yeah. he, he, really, he, he intentionally withheld the piece of information. It's true. About Heat's length. And it's about a three-hour-long movie. Anyway, we sat down to watch it, and I could not take my eyes off of it. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite movies of all time. I watched it way late after it came out. I love it. Anyway. The best part about this is that uh, you had started to make plans with our friends to go get drinks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put it on and uh, and sort of, you know, omitted some key details, uh, mainly that it was very long, and just let it play. And so... About an hour and a half in, the pure silence, uh, this one turns to me and is just like, how 
much is left? And I'm like, oh, because um, we were like we were like 30 minutes out from having to meet them, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm and like, it just didn't seem like it was anywhere near concluding. No, no. I mean, you know, that's it's heat. It yeah. is what it is. But, well, I can uh, say that now. Back yeah. then, I was like, what is happening? Anyway, it was like we delayed the friends. We watched. We didn't finish it. No, we did finish it. We actually we ended up taking a break outside together, having a glass of wine. Yes. We may have actually not met up with friends that night and postponed to the next day. And then we just like watched the entire movie after a break. And in the break, we discussed like what had happened so far. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we discussed. This is an Artini, like terrible Hyde Park apartment. Do you remember this? Oh man, so tiny. Oh my gosh. And uh, and you know, it's a two bedroom that was the size of of a, a stamp. Hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was it was lovely times. Though. Some of the best stuff we 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 did was in that apartment. It was Ryan and Dee, the Minish Cap. And <laughs> tiny. <the> uh, <laughs> shout out to Zelda. Uh, but yeah, no. So it, you know this. I did not intend to do that this time. Mm-hmm. You know, it worked out that time because Heat is one of the best movies I think's ever been made. Um, I don't know that I want to go that far with this this here Batman movie. Yeah, and don't don't ever do that to me again. By the way, no, no. <laughs> you have three cards in life. You've used them twice. <laughs> you have one more. <laughs> so, uh, a little bit of background. Yeah, Matt Reeves. So, okay. Oh, I love Matt Reeves, though. Felicity for life. Felicity for life. That's right. He's Ugh, the good he's... half of the J.J. Abrams partnership. Yeah. Well, at one point, they were both pretty good. It's true. Then, it's true. Yeah. Matt Reeves is amazing. Matt Reeves is fantastic. His uh, Planet of the Apes movies uh, are incredible. I'm so glad that I got you. We haven't even gotten through like season two yet, but I'm so glad I got you into Felicity. You're really loving it. I am obsessed. It's a vibe. It's more than a vibe. It's uh, it's It's a specific type of melancholy... Uh, nostalgia for the early 2000s. I know, I the know. Early 2000s, and we're gonna and we're gonna finish it, and we'll we'll talk about it on this podcast. But don't you just love? By the way, this is such a Matt Reeves like let a moment breathe like thing that he does. Where anytime they like run into each other in college, it's like very low stakes, but they're just like, hi, hi, <laughs> so intense. The Actually, highs. It, it's always it's always hi. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anyway, we're going all over the universe here. Bring us back. Well, it's been a minute. To center. So, you know, we're, we're, yeah. we're rightfully excited. We're full of he said-isms and de said-isms. That's right. <laughs> but so, so all right. Um, you know, Marvel has always had a tight lock on their storytelling, on, yeah. their, on their movies, on their properties. And they've got basically a really good, you know, well-oiled formula that works. Mm. Warner Brothers... Not as much. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, after the Zack Snyder stuff that all fell apart, after uh, Ben Affleck, who was going to make this film, kind of went through his personal problems and dropped out and he was no longer going to write and direct the film. Yeah. Uh, Matt Reeves campaigned. Mm. And this is on on the heels of uh, his two Planet of the Apes films, which, again, if you have not seen, you have got they to see. They are lovely, yeah. They are fantastic. They're touching. Really, really incredible, epic blockbuster filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, and Matt Reeves championed his vision for what a Batman movie could be mm. and went to Warner Brothers, who apparently are just listening to every pitch that comes their way. And they they basically they let him do it. Wow. And his his plan was to make this film that is... You know, it's an epic. It's a crime epic. It is, you know, if the Dark Knight was Batman in the vision of heat, this is a little bit more like, I don't know, your 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 Chinatowns, your strange days, your neo-noirs, like a modern, serious, not too serious. It's, there's some goofery in it. But we'll talk about the concept yeah. of serious in a minute, because I think this is an interesting movie to 
I think it turns contrast serious and dark on its head a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought the same. Yeah, there. I mean, yeah, this is a dark, gritty crime superhero film. No, but not like not like the Nolan ones were. Anyway, no. that that'll be really interesting to to get into. It's it's a dark, gritty film where Colin Farrell dressed in a fat suit waddles with handcuffs on like a penguin. So it's not exactly, uh, you know, but it's that's not scaring even, your kids. But it's not. Ter- I wouldn't say that it's like turned it, like on its head because of that, because that you barely even notice that. There's small little things that it's doing. It's a little bit of a day in the life situation. There's, you know, a long day, <laughs> a very long day. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. But, yeah. but complete your thought about All right, what, so, what it is. Yeah, it's much more in the vein of like David Fincher, Zodiac. Like it's. They're reimagining the Riddler as, uh, you know, a guy very much in Batman's shoes. It's, it's definitely doing some of that superhero, you know, dark mirror of, of our protagonist stuff. But also it's, it's taking that in a more interesting direction, I think, because, uh, Pattinson's Bruce Wayne is not exactly a people person. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there's really no Bruce Wayne in this movie, actually. Yeah. He's, He's a broody. He's he's like a drug, you know, rock, you know, addict type. You know, he's he's definitely like a. This this would have been twelve year old me. Drug type. I thought it was more like I I didn't see it as gritty as you did. I I think of it as like. I think it's presented de- that way. I think it's about depression, like it clearly is about how you feel on a day-to-day basis when you're trying to live your life going through depression. Like, I don't think it was trying to say anything about substance abuse or anything. I well, no, 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 talking it's, about... it's not actually like, a, I mean, there, there, are, actually there is an interesting aspect in the movie where all the characters, especially the, the rich, like council members and stuff are doing this new drug called drops. It's like an mm. eye drop thing where they are in a club and they look super creepy because their pupils are completely dilated. Yeah. Um, including Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah. Who you barely, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Blew my mind. I know. I mean, but, you know, to give you a sense of the vibe on this one, I mean, it's like 10 minutes until Robert Pattinson shows up. I just feel like we got different vibes out of it, though. I don't mean it's a substance abuse movie. I just mean that, like, the aesthetic they're going for with Batman But I didn't think is... of it as, like, super gritty, like, back alley. That's not how I saw it at all. I, I don't think it's like... Uh... Okay, let me clarify what I mean. I don't think... They're trying to bring in the, like, disaffected 17-year-olds, although I kind of think they are. I mean, I do think that they are going for more of a emo 90s I so disagree. See, these are the things that are so different, I think, from how you saw it and how I see it. Like, I feel like to use the word emo for it is inaccurate because it implies whininess. And it's this per like, this Batman is beyond complaining and whining about anything he hates even the system that he's created ultimately the whole thing ends up being about hope so emo is not a fair it's it's a um what's the word i'm looking for it's reductive i'm not trying to be reductive uh i do think that there's an aesthetic they're going for that they subvert by the end because yeah he starts this movie off as like this avatar of vengeance and then he realizes by dealing with a whole bunch of disaffected incel terrorists that he's like, okay, maybe there's more to this. But didn't, but isn't that put on him? That's that's the perception that like everyone else oh, starts he, to have. He's not he about it. it. He's not about it though. He's the one going around saying, "I'm vengeance." Yeah, but in like five minutes in, he's just like, "We don't kill people." Like that's just not like a thing that we do. To Selena, is her name Selena in this? No, yeah, it's something yeah. else. Oh, it is Selena. Yeah. 
Okay. Continue. I mean, yeah, you know, he's always got that line. It's still Batman, and Batman's not going to just roll around murking people unless he's Ben Affleck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it, it is like the, the funny thing. This is a crime movie. Yeah. This is one of the you know everybody's always like, why isn't Batman more of a detective? And he definitely is in this movie, even if you know, as a viewer of detective fiction, you're like, boy, he's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do love that Colin Farrell's Penguin is the one that calls out that the entire clue to a mystery is that they both speak poor Spanish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of, he's like a trust detective, though. He's not looking at the entire case. He's trying to figure out who to trust because yeah. ultimately he's going to solve it by being out on the street. Like, that's his whole thing is, like, he doesn't, he's barely at home. He's barely with Alfred. He, yeah. like, constantly wants to be outside because he doesn't see another way. There's not a lot of Alfred for his in this. role. There's not. I, that was one of the things I found disappointing, especially because they cast him so well. Andy Serkis is really good as Alfred. He's a delight. He's really yeah. good as everything. Actually, yeah, he is one of those guys that just shows up and knocks it out. He needed a good role too, after being so evil and practically destroying Wakanda. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, and also, he he just directed his his big Marvel movie, uh, Venom Two. Oh, he directs that? He did Venom 2. I didn't even too. know that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And, it's, and his, his approach seemed to be, whatever Tom Hardy wants to do, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> okay. So we've gone a little bit all over the place. We, yeah. did, we did talk about sort of the, the premise, overarching uh, reason why Matt Reeves wanted to bring a different kind of Batman. We talked about that a little. We yeah. talked about the vibe, you know, the, the quintessential question for this podcast. We have is, to talk about what that is the a vibe? Lot because it's yeah. a vibe movie. It's a vibe movie. Um, yeah. But tell me a little bit more about how, like, before we dig into it further, like, tell me how you would stack rank this in the kind of overall, what is, where are my words? <laughs> season one, season two, episode one, it's a struggle. <laughs> like in the overall. Of all the Batman movies. And I'm talking not with, like, not the ensemble ones. The solo Batman sure. movies. How would you stack rank? This? I mean, <clears throat> okay. My, the first Batman movie that I saw in my life was the Michael Keaton one in How theaters. How old were you when those came out? Five, six. Aww. Yeah. So were my, those your first superhero movies too? Uh, I mean, other than maybe seeing Superman at home, mm. you know. My parents told me when they dropped me off at like daycare that we were going to go see the new Batman movie that day. Aww. And I already liked the Adam West show. So I, I, I didn't know this even existed. I was just sitting there like, there's a Batman movie? Oh, my goodness. And so they picked me up after I told all my friends I was going to go see the Batman movie. And uh, it blew me away. I loved yeah. that movie. Loved the Michael Keaton Batman movie. Uh, Tim Burton became like a favorite when I found out that he had the same birthday as me. It was like a big deal. He was one of the first directors I ever like thought about as a kid. Yeah. You know, he made Beetlejuice. Yeah. You know, it was one, it, he was one of my guys. Uh, but so I'm, I'm bringing that up because what has happened is the Nolan movies were really a reaction to the public perception of like what Batman had become. You know, with like the Joel Schumacher movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger and George Clooney and, you know, they, Batman had become very silly, silly again. Yeah. And so the Nolan movies are like, what if Batman existed? And and, and in general, the Nolan mo movies were sort of like a response to all superhero movies, like that they can be more in, right. like very 
Nolan pretentious style, this can be elevated. What if this it's real? Be, what if it's more? What yeah. if it's, you know, all this kind of stuff? Yeah. Because by then, like by 2005, the super, the superhero movies coming out, other than Spider-Man, which were heavy, heavily stylized again, Sam Raimi, my boy, forever. Oh, forever. Uh, you know, you got your random ones like Hulk that were good. Oh, that 2000 Hulk, the Ang Lee Hulk with Eric Bana. That is probably my top three superhero movies of all time. It It is absolutely stunning. We are two of the people who like it. (laughs) It's beautiful. (laughs) No, I think that 10 years later, everyone on Reddit loves it now all of a sudden. So I I feel like people have... I'm glad. I'm glad that people have realized. It was was before its time. I will say that. It was before its time. If it had been made, yeah. If it had been made in the modern era, people would have been like, oh, I get this. Oh, my gosh. All over it. So I I think everyone should watch that movie now. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk about that one sometime. We should. Okay. Um, Sorry. So, yeah. Uh, These are all our conversations. It's like like a very... RPG conversation right. where like instead of going to Logic the point tree. there's like all these side quests <laughs> the thing that I claim to hate is actually how I love to talk so it's true it's the thing I hate to play I'm gonna yeah. get you playing Fallout games I know we'll see. <laughs> so no no so the uh, so all of them are a reaction to some extent mm-hmm. and the thing about this movie is that it is this long epic crime movie that is extremely visually realized the design is incredible but it's it's like it is a very, it's a movie movie. Yeah. You know, it's not following this realistic aesthetic, this like, you know, modern, like focus on realism that I think the Marvel movies kind of more focus on, even though they're more mm. fantastical. Yeah. This is a stylized movie more in the vein of like that Tim Burton, Keaton Batman. Yeah. But it's, but it's taking the source material like really, really seriously like, to the point where like, you know, an hour and 45 minutes in, I'm sitting there like, 30, you know, approaching my 40s saying, does the world need a Batman movie to take itself seriously? Yeah. I was sitting there thinking, and I'm I'm not like mad at it. I'm sitting there going like, I enjoy this. I am checking my watch, but it's just because I'm old, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But so it's, it's this, it's this take. You love a long movie though. You probably just felt my energy. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, but I am sitting there thinking like, if I was... 18 if i was 24 you know this thing is probably my favorite movie right now as as i'm a little bit older i've seen a few things you know in the vein of things that are influencing it i've seen a lot of the actual films it is referencing yeah like it's referencing manhunter by michael mann it's referencing you know it's 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 kind of referencing things like strange days it's it's definitely a movie that is inspired by films and i am really appreciating that about it that's what i loved about it too it's gorgeous to look at yeah and yeah scenes do run on and and to be honest i think it's edited a little bit sloppily like okay there's a scene where bruce wayne learns from john turturro's carmine falcone that uh, his his dad was maybe a little bit dirtier than he thought, and it's it, it's a huge revelation. And then that's followed by a scene where he talks to Alfred, who's been blown up at this point, about how uh, he's not it's not quite yeah. He's yeah. like it's not quite that simple. You know, your father cared about your mother and this and that. And to me, the simple thing about movies is you don't follow a scene with a revelation with another character immediately turning yeah. that around. But I also thought it was really like a weak revelation. Like to me, it was like an obvious manipulation by Falcone, which like he should know at this point, right? Right. 
And not a so, great detective. So for him to, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you, you could say that it's it's still raw, like losing his parents. They barely talk about it in the in the, in the movie. They definitely don't flash back to it. So you could just say like he had a moment of like supposedly the smartest guy in the world, the smartest superhero in the world had this like stupid moment, but it's yeah. emotional. And so, it, you know, he hasn't like dealt with the the fallout of his parents' death yet. Yeah. And the rest of the movie is about how depressed he is. So, I mean, I think like it makes sense in that context, but they really pulled at that thread and they didn't need to. They They could have made it much more compelling as this sort of like momentary lapse in judgment and then an immediate recovery back from this guy who's supposed to be smart. And if I yeah. had like a, 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 a chief complaint for this movie is that you don't get the fact that Batman is like super intellectually sophisticated. And I mean also technologically sophisticated, like none of that world is really happening in this. And that is one of my favorite things. He's sort of supposed to be like an even more gruff DC Tony Stark. And right. he's not in this at all. No, I mean, you know, and, it's partially because it is so heavy on vibes. They don't want to like, as indulgent as this is from a style perspective, it's really not very indulgent from a superhero perspective. Yeah. At least in the, in the way that we think about that now and in, in, in yeah. days where we've got, we've got villains like Thanos in movies. Right. right you know, that's right. indulgent in the nerdery of it. Mm-hmm. This is more like the Batmobile is a car that he clearly put together over a couple of years and has never driven. Yeah. It's a monster. It's as cool as can be, but it's also a car. Well, I guess, do you think that's more indicative of the fact that they're trying to say that he's not a fully realized Batman yet? Because one thing to point out is this is the youngest Batman we've had in the history of the films. Robert Pattinson is much younger. Actually, Pattinson is 35. Uh, Bale was 31 when he started. You're kidding. Yeah. Are you serious? I found this out the other day. It made me feel extremely old. Robert Pattinson is not 35 and Bale was not 30. Are it's you for true. real? Oh my God. If it's I Wikipedia true. this, is that the... Yeah. It's going to break your head. Why does it feel... Well, okay. Maybe the ages of the actors, but then is he... What age is he supposed to be in like the movie? I mean, I assume he's supposed the same to be. Age. I feel like he's supposed to be... Maybe like, early late. 30s. 20s max. Maybe. Mid-20s or something. He's not a fully realized Batman, I guess, is the thing well, to so, me. So, His okay. relationships aren't fully... Think about it, right? Yeah. The, the whole relationship with Alfred, he's still having the you're not my father argument. Right. Okay, that is like early relationship building so it hasn't that hasn't quite matured then his relationship with um gordon is practically non-existent it's just sort of like a here's a thing in the sky i guess my pal's calling me is he my pal i don't even know they question that in the movie i gotta challenge that though okay because and this is something that you actually called out to me when we were first talking about this movie um because I was sitting there watching Gordon and Batman in this, and they, they very clearly are two people who only trust each other. And I was like, what is that built on? Because Gordon is literally throwing his reputation with other cops under the bus. And part of that is because this is a movie that is about how Gotham is maybe fundamentally too broken to be saved. Mm-hmm. And that is a cool aspect. But you said something else, which was like, the reason that Gordon only trusts Batman is he because... He doesn't trust anybody else. Well, he, yeah, he's he's also the only person who shows up every time Gordon needs him. That's right. That's right. Well, but but that's also that that supports my point though, because the thing is, it's like trust formed because of lack of trust everywhere else is not a very strong foundation to begin with, right? So, 
the way that their relationship came across to me was very transactional. Yeah. And the trust is built completely on just the accountability of attending a meeting, essentially. It's like, if I put a meeting on your calendar and you show up, I trust you and you're my ride or die. That's not how it works. Yeah. True trust is formed over over time and over effort by both parties and over, over like, the ability to sacrifice something for someone else. And they haven't – they've clearly – haven't had enough cycles of that to really have built a strong trusting partnership because as as the film goes on that trust is questioned because it's so tenuous to begin with right you know it's just, and and that's not for lack of trying they just haven't had time to try and really build that trust well i think a big part of that is a big part of batman's arc in this because you mentioned the fact that this is a batman that's not fully established but I think it differentiates itself from your Batman Begins and the other things that have kind of portrayed a young Batman in that this is a Batman who shows up and immediately terrifies everyone. And, you know, he's he's human. He's much more of a daredevil type than a Batman mm. type from a movie perspective. Yeah. But he's also a guy who is figuring out it's not it's not about figuring out how to be Batman necessarily, like from a skills perspective, from a. You know, from a gadgets perspective, from like the the doing Batman stuff, yeah. he's pretty much got it. But where he doesn't have it is being something bigger than a guy who shows up in alleys and beats people up. Yeah. And so that's what this movie is about. It's about him stepping out into the public in a way that's not via Gordon and saying, I can stand for something a little bit more intent, you know, intentional than than violence it's about identity right and so the first thing he has to address is his like inner demons and his depression and mm -hmm. but i think the fact that there is no bruce wayne really in this movie points to why he's struggling with being batman because as much as it's supposed to be that 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 bruce wayne is like his actual mask the lack of that existing means he's batman all the time and he can't be an effective batman without that you know so yeah. i think I, I think that's why to me this is a younger batman who's not fully realized because you really can't have one without the other yeah yeah and uh and plus it means that if there is a sequel to this hopefully what we get to see is is robert pattinson in his weird little goblin personality trying to be charming Bruce Wayne socialite. And uh, I'm here for that. No, I'm here for that too. I would love to, and I think he'd do a great job at it, right? Yeah. Like where I think he could step into um, embodying that role in a modern way versus like the, the way the past Batmans have done it, which has been really cheesy to be goofy. honest with you, right? Yeah. Like to play this sort of like Lothario playboy, like philanthropist, like, you know. Yeah. This like, is a Batman I don't think has ever actually met a woman. Yeah. Until Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> until Zoe Kravitz. Who is fabulous I in this, her. by the way. I love her. And My I love God. her whole story I mean, I with no her doubt. father. And yeah. I love all of that. Yeah. She's amazing with her uh, roommate, mm -hmm. friend, and all that kind of stuff. I loved, I also loved that it was like this very simple class kind of conversation between the two of them and how everything is about that with Batman really and right. like no one no one digs into it and that's what's really interesting to have Selena Kyle come in and be like dude you're full of shit and you're really rich actually <laughs> let me back up you're rich and therefore you're full of shit like here's what's really going on and I, I love that about her but I mean we didn't dig into it super deeply in this movie but I think these are these are the parts 
of the movie that made me feel like, oh, these are the folks that are influencing who he's going to become. He isn't yeah. fully realized yet. Like Batman does have to understand class. Well, he needs people he, too. Yeah, he needs people. He he he's been shutting out Alfred. He's been you know he's basically got a to- totally transactional thing with Gordon. He finally meets somebody who gets him, mm-hmm. you know, in Zoe Kravitz, and he kind of realizes by especially juxtaposing that against when he finally steps toe to toe with the Riddler, yeah, and finds out that this is not a guy who's been targeting him to uh to take him out and show that he's top dog this is a guy who was inspired by him yeah and that is the key i would say that this movie uh mostly had me you know for three hours i was sitting there i was like you know like two and a half hours i'm like okay it's pretty good i i love looking at it i i really am enjoying the time to like spend with these characters Mm -hmm. this doesn't need to be this long but that last 30 minute stretch Mm-hmm. Where it all comes home. Yeah. That's when I was like, it's At that still point, too long. Like, no, I see, I had the opposite reaction. For the first two hours, I was like, God, this is really long. When are they going to do some like actual stuff? And not yeah. in a way that it was boring. Like you can't take your eyes off of it. But in the last 30 or so minutes when they're like doing all of the things and, and, and kind of bringing all those threads to conclusion, I was like, oh my God, stop. You can't end. This is like, this, this is, is where it, it is. It hit its stride yeah. and it started to become this thing. And then all of a sudden at the end of the movie, you have this like much more... So, like sophisticated version of a Batman at the that end scene. I mean, I totally cried. It was gorgeous. But the thing is, then the movie ended, and so you were just sort of like, if the intent of the majority that that first like two hours or whatever of the movie was to get me to a place where I could understand the last thirty minutes, was it effective, mm-hmm. or was it like a slight jarring shift in pace? That then, because I'd been lulled into this sense of like a vibe, yeah. That I immediately am just like down for. You know, I don't know if it did that really well, but at the same time, there's something about me that feels incredibly defensive about this movie. If anybody wants to talk shit about it, like I same. can, <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but I just feel really protective of of the film and of this Batman and of this Selena Kyle and like. I don't know. It did a really good job in sort of like having you on the ver- like. Your sinuses are swollen. And you're yeah. not quite crying, and then towards the end, you do. And I'm, st- I feel that way right now, talking about it. Like it did a really good job of making you, for the first time, actually truly care about Batman as a person. Yeah, I read a take online that was, uh, boy, it sure is weird to watch a Batman movie where the most interesting character is Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And part of that is Robert Pattinson. Let's talk about him. I, I know you incredible. have a lot of opinions about yeah. Robert Pattinson, and I'm fascinated by how much you kind of adore him. So, so tell him. me why. Why do you love him? Well, so just just to, to tie up one point you made that I, I want to pull together, and I yeah. think it ties into this, is, you, you know, from a structure standpoint, like, you could remove all the parts with Colin Farrell's Penguin from this movie, and it would affect the story basically not at all. But also think about how much you would miss it. Yeah. If he wasn't there being yeah. incredibly New Yorkish. I don't think you can take anybody out of this no. movie, honestly. Yeah. And you could do that with basically everybody's story beats, except for Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne stuff, because for the first time, like they hired somebody who is, you know, he's. St- Robert Pattinson started in teen properties and things, but he came up with Andrew Garfield. And, you know, you, you mentioned this, like he lived with with like Andrew Garfield and hung out with Charlie Cox and all these guys yeah. that were up on the rise. And 
you know, he's actually older than we think, clearly, because I didn't right. realize he was 35. But he got his big his big to do when he was in Harry Potter four and when he was cast as Edward Cullen for for Twilight. Twilight yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is it follows a similar pathway to Heath Ledger, hmm. who hit the scene in 10 Things I Hate About You and was in A Knight's Tale and then like made his serious turns in Brokeback Mountain. And yeah, when he was cast yeah. as the Joker, the response was quick, bad and homophobic. It was basically like this heartthrob, you know, he's our Joker, I can't believe it. And, you know, with, with Edward, you know, with, with uh, Robert Pattinson, he's like... Oh, did you just call him Edward? Edward. <laughs> because he's... You he's, don't even know Twilight. <laughs> he's constantly in this state of being Twilight guy. Yeah. But for the past, like, five years or more, he's been making incredibly interesting smaller films. He's doing really incredible work with some of the best actors out there. You know, he's he's choosing projects because of who he gets to work with. Mm. And he's also displaying one of the weirdest public personas that you could imagine for such a handsome dude. <laughs> Tell me. He basically shows up to press and, you know, every actor is bored by doing press, but he just makes stuff up. You know, he'll tell a story about uh, worms, or or you <laughs> that's know, an actual thing he did. He, he told a story on uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Kimmel about learning to study the the fighting the, the fighting activities of bats, and then he turned it into a story about how bats will just bite other bats' butts. <laughs> okay, the okay. guy is completely uh, just having fun for himself. Yeah, and. Uh, and again, like he's taken this this clout that he got for being in the public eye and being part of an it couple and being a part of this like you know these teen properties, and he's out there doing stuff like this, and which makes it interesting that he chooses to do a big superhero thing, and it's a movie that Matt Reeves has made. Yeah, but Matt Reeves can convince you to do whatever. I mean, the guy just gets it, you know. Yeah, but Matt Matt makes this incredible. Like, I'd star as a trash can in a movie that Matt Reeves I think Robert directed. Pattinson would do that. Yeah, he'd, he'd be great at it. <laughs> he would. He'd be an incredible trash can. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just he's great in Tenet. You know, he, show, he shows yeah. up in these little bit parts. And his choice to do this and to make this Batman more of an emotional creature than yeah. previous Batman uh, is a testament to just how good he is. Yeah, he's great. And watching him on screen, like, were you ever not completely invested in his Bruce Wayne? Not, yeah. I mean, but the, but I felt like I liked Robert Pattinson even in the teen properties that are he's silly and weird. Like, he's awesome and he's very captivating. Yeah. There is something really unique about him. But I think I hadn't seen him in the press. And so when the other day you were kind of like, he's a bit of a mischievous goblin. I, you know, like, how could you said to me, you were like, how can someone so dreamy be such a goblin? And I was like, wait a minute. Do you have a thing for Robert Pattinson? And you were like, I do. And I was like, this is amazing. So, yeah, I agree. He's a compelling actor. He's going to be really fun to kind of watch over the next couple of decades to see what he does. Also the best chin in the suit, bar none. Yeah. He looks like Batman. He looks great. And no dumb voices in it and, like, no. none of that stuff. I think, like, so back to the original question – you know, favorite Batman. Like, stack rank them for me. Yeah, I did get away from that. Uh, I mean, I, I would have to say that just from a full-on, like, Batman perspective, other than Adam West, which I, I kind of have to stand. It's your touchstone, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, he's probably the best that's ever done it. Hmm. He's probably the best that's ever done it. And you say Pattinson is the best Batman. I think so. Wow. I mean, I think you're... You know, I, I know that you're not a Keaton fan, but I love the energy he brings. 
I just my just to clarify, like I like Michael Keaton in some movies. He's not like I didn't grow up with those Batman movies, so I have no sense of like nostalgia and loyalty to them that comes mm-hmm. from like certain movies in your youth that are really formative. Um, don't have that. And then uh, love Tim Burton, think he's a great artist, but find it's not my vibe. And so like you put those two things together and it's just like Batman and a bunch of branches and stripes and, <laughs> you know, weird faces. And it's like, it's just not like, you know, no, I'm not feeling it. And yeah. so for me, I had really thought other than Christian Bale's like ticks as Batman, like I thought, okay, that was the one that you sort of had to. Those are probably the best movies. That was movies. the bar. I th- I agree. I think the and I have a lot of problems with with Nolan being one note and kind of like really proud of himself and you know <laughs> kind of that that annoying student who's like always getting A's but never challenges themselves yeah. and so like a, like a really annoying kind of uh, lots of potential but isn't experimenting or, or or it's almost like the drag race philosophy right like if you're gonna show up and do the same thing over and over again RuPaul is not gonna care right. after a certain point that your standards for that sort of drag are really high like. She wants to see what else you can do. Yeah. And I agree with that. Like, you do have to push yourself. You have to step outside your own box. You have to grow. And I don't think that Tim Burton has done that. I don't think... Tim Burton's well, Tim, worse. Tim Burton has done that in some movies, I will say, but still within, like, a safety sphere. Yeah. Nolan does not do that, you know? Like, Nolan's twists, I'm just always like, of course. Like, that's yeah. a very, like, playbook kind of twist. And then... um, So, like, those those directors are not really my vibe, but... I also think they sometimes are uncomfortable with emotion, like, you know, where I would say in in, in Burton's case, sometimes you over manipulate some an, uh, an emotion. And then I would say in uh, Nolan's case, he just avoids them completely. And, yeah. and the guy cannot, he has no idea what to do with women. It's like a no. very um, mother sit across the table, don't be in the same room as me kind of vibe that yeah. he has with it, right? Like, uh, so I, I just... I was missing that from those movies, and I got that here. Yeah. Even though the movie wasn't, like, fully realized. So I would say, like, I I would say I still think that those are the better movies, the ones that Nolan did, and, and, and like, his, actually his, what I consider the flip coin of his strengths or his weaknesses, like, both work for him in those films. So I would say stronger movies there, but I do think that this is the best Batman, for me, emotionally. I agree. Uh I agree. And all the directors that have come come before, to be honest, all have their own individual ticks and weaknesses. Like, if Burton's not interested in something, it's going to suck in his movie. If uh, if Nolan doesn't know how to do something, you don't want him trying it. Um, yeah. With Matt Reeves... You don't have to worry, though. He won't. <laughs> Doesn't want to jeopardize that A. Yeah. It, Matt Reeves, though, you know, he's really stretching. And I would say that why this all comes home for me, despite having a few missteps, like, there's a Joker scene in this that I... I'm not a fan of. I kind of think it could have just been cut completely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not a perfect movie. Let's put that out there. No, it's it's too long. It is a very strong mm-hmm. opinion. It's yes. a very, like, interesting academic direction. But there are some problems with it. It is a Matt Reeves thing, though. It's not, like, yeah. a studio thing. It's a yeah. Matt Reeves movie. I think that's why it succeeded, though, for me. Yeah, I, I agree. And to, to be honest, that's why I think... This is going to be one of those that I watch a lot. Like I put on and well, I mean, vibe with it. You do have to go to work at some point. You, know, <laughs> you, can't, you can't just keep taking PTO to watch these long ass movies. But I agree with you that yeah. I, I do at least want to watch it once more um, to really sit with it now that I know where 
it wanted to take me because that's yeah. part of wh- where I felt myself having a bit of resistance with this movie, not just the length, but it was like I couldn't tell where it was going. Yeah. And it hadn't gotten me comfortable enough yet to where I didn't care about that for the ride. You know, yeah. I wanted to know, like, where are we going in this Uber? You know, like it just was sort of it, it missed that. But I think a second rewatch would probably make it richer. I think it'll cohere a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like especially with that amazing Michael Giacchino score. Oh, my God. Talk about the score because it's that incredible. was amazing and subtle. It was not trying to beat you over the head, but like it built. Mm-hmm. And then when it was like, hello, I am a score. It's like towards the, the, the last third of the film where it just comes out and it's sort of like, this is a thing. Yeah, you're sitting there vibing. The music is great. And then for two hours and 45 minutes, you're just like, yeah, man, it's 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 cool. Yeah. It's a vibe. And wow, that music. But then that scene with the flare and the flooded sports oh arena God. happens and that score kicks in and then that kid is grabbing his arm and the music is swelling. Yeah. And you're like, everybody nailed it. Yeah. And Michael Giacchino is like, you know, he's done a lot of the biggest scores. He's he's one that people celebrate a lot. And uh, and I've always just kind of thought, okay, he's he's good. Yeah. Sure. Because um, he's he did like Doctor Strange. He did uh, Ratatouille. He did uh, The Incredibles. He did uh, Star Trek. You know, cool. the Chris Pine. So he's he's done a lot of stuff. But I honestly think this might be the best thing he ever did. Yeah. And bookending the movie with that Kurt Cobain oh vibe gosh. is amazing. And I oh feel my gosh. this is my theory and I'll have to ask so just Michael. just let millennials do everything, I'm yeah. telling you. Jackie knows kind of like a Bear McCreary where he started to get young and then just nailed it. Yeah. You know, but uh, but that I, I, I kind of feel like he kind of built that theme a little bit on that Nirvana song. I really, I, I think it makes it clearer if you watch that trailer where it fades in and yeah. then it turns into the theme. I think he kind of built this, built the score on. Well, it. it is such a '90s sort of initial reaction and rebellion, right? The whole, the whole kind of mood that Batman has, or the the attitude that he has, and then kind of moving towards the end where it's like a little post '90s, like, okay, we have to do something about the whole system. Yeah. We can't just, we can't just be out there protesting. We have to. We have to fix things Gotta from do the stuff. inside, right? Like, and I love that uh, sort of end note, like kind of in parallel with the whole concept of like hope, hope, hope. And that's why I love those. You're talking about those flares. Oh, oh my god, they were so stunning. The fact that like everything was like flooding, and you had, you know, obviously like the dark, um, like the shades of black and gray and yeah, kind of like white, yeah. and then all of a sudden these flares come out. Um, you know, and then there's this backdrop of the city where all like it's just a completely lit up city, but the light is just so dying out and faded, and the, all of a sudden yeah. these like bright orange flares. I it was like something to see. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful, and it's it's the moment where the movie comes together because you know before that you see your only batarang when he cuts the uh, the power line to that thing so those people don't get electrocuted, uh, and you're thinking like this is going to be a gadget moment, yeah. and it's not. It's a moment where he isn't. Thinking about how to beat somebody up or, yeah. or solve something with gadgets or, or anything like that. He's like, I need to help these people and they need to see me doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not as, not as a PR thing, but he's like, I need to be more like these people need more than me to go beat up a bunch of terrorists, yeah. basically. Yeah. Because the, the appropriate thing is to understand how people need to be saved in that moment and not like make it your own sort of, you know, 
your own I'm saving you. Actually, you're not. You're not helping me at all. Like what I need right now <laughs> is this. You're not a savior, actually. Hello. Yeah. You know, and so for him to kind of throw that playbook aside and say, okay, well, are people drowning? Maybe I should stop that. Or, you know, like, it's like <laughs> maybe I shouldn't go beat up the people who put them in that position. Like what is the right decision? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think they did that. And they then that, really well. that does follow that scene where he meets Riddler. Yeah. And you're so concerned that there's a that he knows his identity and all this stuff and it turns out it's not that it's much worse. He's yeah. got he's got a fan. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so it, look, it's you know, it's got problems. Um well, all the movies. They all do. They all did. But also like the photography is gorgeous, the acting is incredible, the music is to die for. Yeah, the the whole cast was just absolutely fantastic in it. Like not not a single person that I would say didn't live up to their end of the bargain. Yeah. In this. Just super strong. But definitely looking forward to revisiting it at home. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Even though I did love the big screen of it. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. We got a nice TV. Yeah. It was, yeah. It's just good enough to rewatch it here. Cool. Well, that was awesome. Um, it was as long it, as the movie. It was almost as long as the movie, about 47 minutes in. Um, do you want to sort of switch gears and just talk a little bit about Grab Bag? Sure. What are like, give me like two things that you're reading, watching, playing right now that you might want to bring up in a future episode. Well, uh, I've been getting back into Stephen King. Uh, I was really kind of listening to the King cast uh, by uh, Scott Wampler and Eric Vespi. It's a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh And uh, it kind of like reignited my love. And so I've been going back, doing Dark Tower again. uh, Oh, yeah. You know, and then reading some newer books like later. And I'm going to go revisit some classics that I haven't gotten to yet. But Mm. it's a big king time for me right now. Summer always makes me a little kingy. Yeah. And uh, and then, weirdly enough, I've been playing Fallout 3. Uh Uh-huh. So that's like all I'm doing. I'm spending my time on. You know, it doesn't hold up to the first time I played it. It's a little bit wonkier. Did you play it last year? No. No, I haven't played it in years. Okay. Uh. I, you know, I've, I've played Fallout New Vegas. I've played a couple other Fallout games, but uh, uh, it it doesn't hold up as much. But I definitely am hooked on it again. So yeah. you know, Bethesda games have their troubles and problems, but also I get addicted. Yeah. So um, yeah. Other than that, you know, uh, I watched the Samurai movie. It was incredible. Throne of Blood. If you haven't seen it, it's a Akira Kurosawa nineteen fifty seven. Samurai version of Macbeth, and it rules. So nice. that's my grab bag stuff. Okay, that's really cool. What about you? What do you got going on? Yeah, so I am, as you know, I've been revisiting a bunch of old seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race while yeah. watching a current new season. We are, we're going to have to talk about it Um on our next podcast. We should, we should talk about Drag Race. Let's do that. It is such, it's so amazing. Um Anyway, so I've just been revisiting, and I started watching Drag Race in 2016, actually, and as it as it turns out, for a lot of people, drag ends up being the thing that gets them through a dark time, and that's kind of how I discovered it as well, was that was like a really t- very tough year, and um, yeah. I started watching it, and it was just like very uplifting, and then, so I've been revisiting some of the old seasons um, over the last couple of months, because they they have been some months, yo. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, just everything happens at once, and so just uh, kind of going through those, um, just reading a lot more about about 
um, kind of the history of drag and, and, and some of the movements over several decades. What always gets me interested is whenever you talk about the drag families and like, you know, I love Alyssa Edwards. And She's so, your favorite, yeah. You know, you kind of reminded me that uh, Shangela is... That's her daughter, yeah. That's amazing stuff. I love yeah. that that legacy stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, so we'll talk about Ballroom too because I think that's really important to understand. What Like, I probably need to have you watch Paris is Burning and a couple of other things. So I really want to. get into, yeah. Um, so Drag Race, again, is just something super important. I think everybody should 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 watch, um, learn about drag and, and its importance um, in our culture and for communities. Um, the other, what else am I doing from a grab bag perspective lately? Well, um, I know you're playing Hollow Night again, again. <laughs> because we've talked about it already, but I'm just so ready for Silk Song to come out. I mean, those games are just incredible, and I, I love a platformer, as you know. So I've just been replaying a couple of them. They, they're they're just going to be in my tool toolkit forevermore. Yeah. Um. So I love them. Let's Team see, Cherry, gonna... if you're listening to this, and I know you are, <laughs> yes. what is up with Silk Song? Why are you taking? Come forever? on, please. I know. I know. Um. Let me look at my Kindle though, so I can see what are some of the things that I'm I'm reading. So my friend. Um, Brent has been trying to get me to read Madeline Miller's The Song of Achilles for a while, for quite some time. Um, so this is the author who wrote Kirky. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't even know how you say her name. All those, there, there's another one, too. There's, uh, there's one about Persephone now, isn't there? I don't know if that's Madeline Miller. Oh, okay. I'll double check. But, um, but The Song of Achilles is, 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 is not recent. It's been out for a little while, and he's been trying to get me to read it for a little while so i'm uh i know you loved kirke loved i mean like obsessed it was probably my favorite book like a fiction book i read that year and there were some really good ones yeah um that year so it's probably my favorite so i'm gonna read that i also recently read um moby's memoir oh yeah porcelain and it was fascinating i actually had bought it you bought it for me like a long time ago and I never got around to it for whatever reason. That's, That's what happens happen. with books, right? And then I pulled it out and I was just... It's another one of those things where like, you really get to understand the late 80s, early 90s scene um, through the eyes of... you know We were younger then, but you know, Moby is not that much older. So like, he was like a teen 20s youth yeah. trying to make it in New York, living in like an abandoned warehouse with like peeing into a bottle, trying to make it as a DJ in New York. And that right? was just for fun. And sending tapes to everybody and all of that. And so, and he's, he's kind of like, you know, what Robert Pattinson is to you. He's kind of like that to me. He's just a really fascinating... Goblin of, of a person. Like a fabulous goblin, you know, <laughs> like just just really talented and has an interesting background and history. And I'm just sort of fascinated by, you know, by people like him. Um, yeah. Who, who are really smart, who have something to say and who make plenty of mistakes along the way that they own up to and like are accountable for, you know. And so... And I and then I think that there's some recently I'm reading that he hasn't been. So yeah. anyway, so there's so there's so I'm just kind of like digging into that to sort of understand what's going on. Fascinating people aren't always perfect. They, well, yeah, well, standing anyone is a big mistake. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Um, and then I think that that's what I'll say is my grab bag at the moment. Yeah. Well, it's that's interesting, you know, the the way that things work out because Moby seems to show up in more and more of the things that I revisit lately uh, as music just pops back, you know. I mean, he had like a big... He was everywhere. Yeah, grasp on the scene for a while. When I when, when I made you watch Miami Vice, another mm. Colin Farrell movie, another movie that is all vibes. Uh, yeah. You know, a big part of the vibes is there's a 
extended Moby scene. <laughs> He's not in it, but yeah, his, yeah. his music is. His music is. His music in that movie was really interesting. Oh, it's so good. Michael Mann's always great with music. Mm-hmm. All right, darling. Well, that was season two, episode one. We it's overdid excited. it. We haven't been around for a minute. So. I know. That was exciting. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. Uh, we're excited to keep doing this, and uh, and we'll have more stuff as we go along. I think there's a few things that we want to go revisit from last year and a few new things coming out right now that uh, will we'll make some appearances. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Heck yeah. Thanks, everybody. Bye.